Congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles for winning the Super Bowl. Now it's time for me to get back to golf. So welcome back to Teeing Off. If this is your first time listening, welcome in to Teeing Off. I'm Arjun McCullough. And I'm just going to get right into it. Not really going to waste too much time. Gary Woodland is the champion here in Phoenix. Gary Woodland may have come across of a bit of a surprise winner on Sunday considering where he started the final round, but a 64 from him ended his five-year drought without a win on the PGA Tour. So good for him. Congratulations to Gary. Uh, he defeated Chez Reeve in a playoff. It was actually the fourth straight playoff on tour, which shows the ridiculous parody PGA Tour is working with right now. Uh, Phil Mickelson tied fifth, and Ricky Fowler and John Rahm tied for 11th. So that about sums up the uh, leaderboard and all that. Um, just quickly, though, it was, it was really glad to see Gary Woodland win. He obviously had a really, really tough year last year, both on and off the golf course. I believe he, him, him and his wife had twin daughters and lost one of them uh, during childbirth. So that obviously took Gary away from the course for quite a while and can't focus on golf when something like that's going on. So it was really, really good to see him get back into the winning circle. Uh, as I said, he ended a five-year drought. Uh, I saw Gary at the Canadian Open when I was there last year. I followed him for an entire practice round. I think it was on the Wednesday uh, the event, and he's just, like, ridiculously talented. He's He crushes the ball. He's really, really good short game. Um, he flights the, his ball. He can turn the ball each way, high, low, whatever he wants to do. He has a really good ball flight. Um, seemed to have, like, a good mental grasp of the game. Um, really well-liked on tour. So it, it seemed like it was just a matter of time until he broke out, but obviously with all that personal stuff going on in his life, it makes complete sense that last year wasn't exactly a great year. But he started off this year really, really well, and he now ended that drought, and he should be a guy that's contending in majors this year. I don't know if I would outright pick him to win, but he's definitely a guy that will be on my radar come uh, major time. So, again, great, great win for Gary Woodland. Um, on the negative side of things, it was a really tough end of the week for Ricky Fowler and John Rahm. Both of them were going in the final round looking to capture victory. Uh, of course, Ricky, he has had runner-ups last couple times at this event. He was, he's always in the running to win here, but he never gets the job done. So uh, he was in the lead heading into Sunday and then basically collapsed, didn't make a putt at all on Sunday. Uh, he finished tied 11th with John Rahm. And John Rahm, uh, an interesting guy, because he's another guy that's got all the talent in the world. He's really young. He's already the number two player in the world. He's already won just a few weeks ago. But he has a bit of a problem with his temper. Uh, there was one, one hole where he attempted a flop shot. It didn't go so well. And he just, there's a gif of it going around on Twitter. And he just slams his club into the ground. Looks pretty childish. Uh, he's getting some flack from that. His response is that, you know, he's got some Spanish fire. He's got to let, it, let out his anger sometimes or else he's not going to be able to play his best because that anger is just going to bottle up. I think he used the analogy of a Coke bottle spilling over. Uh, but, but, yeah, it's a little disappointing to see that. Um, personally, as someone that can maybe get a little angry themselves from time to time on the golf course, I'm not going to say that I really care that much about this, but generally not, just not the greatest look, I guess. So, all in all, though, it was uh, the tournament itself, like, just great 
great scoring, lots of birdies, lots of eagles, lots of fluctuations on the leaderboard. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get in the 16th hole next, but in terms of the actual tournament, the event, really, really good. And again, congratulations to Gary Willand. Every year at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the 16th hole becomes, if not the main story, at least one of the top stories. And of course, this year was no different. Uh, positives, they set a record, the tournament set a record, a PGA Tour record yet again, with over 719,000 fans attending the event throughout the week. For I guess for those who don't know, the 16th hole is uh, par three that's just surrounded entirely by fans, just encapsulated by fans. I don't know how many, what the exact number of fans that are on that one hole, but it is a lot. <laughs> it's loud, and it's it's just amazing. If you've never seen it, you need to see it because there's nothing like it in golf. Uh, so yeah, they set another record for most fans attending the event. Um, they had some amazing highlights on the hole just on Sunday alone. Uh, Kuchar hitting it to an inch away from a hole-in-one. Uh, Mickelson draining a 30-footer, I think it was, to stay in the contention late on Sunday. Uh, there was chanting, there was booing, there was cheering, there was jeering. The place was an absolute zoo, and I loved it. I mean, the video of the streaker, I think it was on Thursday. Uh, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> the amount of time that streaker was out in front of the green without any security or anyone coming to get him blew my mind. That If you haven't seen that video, definitely a must-see. And even Ian Poulter, a guy known for eh, being ornery at times, to put it mildly, he shanked one right into the grandstands in 16, and even he handled the heckling pretty well. Because, uh, yeah, if you miss the green, you get booed. But that's the way it is. He hit it in the grandstand, and he, he handled it well. Again, though, if anytime you inject fun into golf, there's going to be, A, people who don't like it, and, B, people that do like it but take it too far. For example, Jordan Spieth, he was heckled twice on the course during his first two rounds. Uh, once, the second time, was as he was trying to make a putt to, to make the cut. Um, he missed that putt, obviously, and didn't talk to the media after. So I don't know if Jordan will be back. He seemed pretty pissed off, and rightfully so in that case. Uh, clearly no one likes that or thinks that's okay to uh, be calling out something while someone's swinging. We saw that with Tiger last week while he was trying to putt. Um, but then there's stories of guys complaining they don't like getting booed or um, just as an example, Justin Thomas having a bit of a pissy fit. Uh, he had a double bogey on one of the days and he threw his club at his bag and all this. Um, he handled it okay, tried to be funny when he picked his ball out of the hole, but eh, that's not that big of a deal to me. The bigger deal, there's those traditionalists, the purists, they want the game to remain classy and quiet and all that. Um... To that, I just say, it's 2018. Outside of the majors, this is one of the best tournaments on the calendar each year. It it gets a lot of people that don't really like golf tuning into golf just to watch it. And why is that? Because it's fun and because it's different. I wish every tournament had a part three like this. It would make golf so much more appealing to those who would rather, let's say, watch paint dry than watch polite clapping and hushed tones for four to six hours. I mean, I'm a diehard golf fan, but... Give me a crowd of rowdy, loud, singing, dancing fans and mixing golf. That's not a recipe I'd mess with. So I think people that are upset about this type of thing being on the PJ Tour, I think they just need to give their heads a shake and it's not going away. So get with it or 
you're going to be on the wrong side. That's just my opinion. Well, it wouldn't be a normal week if Donald Trump didn't try to insert himself into as many things as humanly possible, including golf. But this time it wasn't really his fault, I guess, sort of, kind of. Last week, Suzanne Pedersen, a really good player on the LPGA Tour, and evidently a regular golf partner of Donald Trump, well, she told a Norwegian newspaper that Donald Trump is actually a good golfer, but that he cheats like hell. Of course, that comment went viral, as anything Trump-related does these days. And then Pedersen denied saying that, calling it fake news, as one would. But this is where she got caught. The interview was recorded. And the outlet backed up their claims, quoting Pedersen as saying, and I quote, He always says he's the world's best putter. But in all the times I've played with him, he's never come close to breaking 80. What's strange is that every time I talk to him, he says he's just golfed to 69. (laughs) Or that he set a new course record or won a club championship someplace. I just laugh. End quote. Yeah, that sounds like good old Donnie to me. I'm not going to spend too much time on this story, but I do think it's really interesting look at the USGA, and it will definitely have an impact impact on the future of the PGA Tour going forward. Uh, I don't know how quickly, but anyways, long story short, the USGA has officially made it their public stance that they are not happy with how far the golf ball is going and that the effect that is having on the game of golf. Uh, USGA Chief Mike Davis was one of the guys who spoke up saying the current state of things puts too much pressure on the courses, uh, how much land they need, the costs, uh, trying to make courses tough but at the same time playable for non-pros. And that simply, quote, distance is not good for the game. And he posed the question, what good has it done? Um, A statement from the incoming USGA president agreed with that, basically saying the issue needs to be addressed. So clearly this is something that's on the tour's radar at a very high up level, as high up as you can go. Um, So as I said, expect to see changes in the next couple of years, either the ball or the clubs that the pros can use. So yes, I expect that. But simultaneously, I'm worried about, I guess simultaneously worried and curious, um, how is this going to work? If tour pros are playing different clubs or different balls than others, like at what point do players have to make that switch? Is it in college? Is it when they get the web.com tour? Do they do this on the European tour? Do, like, where is this something that goes across everyone? Like, recreational golfers obviously aren't going to take this up, but that seems kind of strange to be having a recreational golfer that can hit his drives 50 yards further than a pro golfer. Again, I understand that it would be like a rolled back ball, but the whole thing just opens up a ton of questions. So, I'm going to follow this one as it develops. I don't even really have a prediction at this point because there's just way too many unknowns at this point. Um, But again, I definitely expect some changes in the next couple of seasons uh, regarding this. This week, we have another fan favorite tourney coming off the Waste Management Phoenix Open last week. We have the AT&T Pebble Beach National Pro-Am. And there, there actually are three factors that make this a great tournament. And I'm not being sarcastic. It actually is a really good tournament. Uh, the field, the celebrities, and the courses. Uh, first, the field. Jordan Spieth won the tournament last year. Uh, he's going to defend his title along with the only two guys ranked ahead of him in the World Golf Rankings, who, which would be Dustin Johnson, number one, and John Rahm, 
number two. Uh, there's a ton of other big names. Let's see. Rory McIlroy and Jason Day are in there. Um, and then there's the celebrities. There's a lot of celebrities. Guys like Toby Keith, Bill Murray, Josh Dumel, Ray Romano, Darius Rucker. So that'll be really entertaining. Um, there's a bunch of athletes competing as well. Larry Fitzgerald, Wayne Gretzky, Aaron Rodgers, Tony Romo, Alex Smith, and Justin Verlander, which begs the question, is Kate Upton going to make an appearance? Um, but regardless, with all of those football players, I think it's a pretty safe bet. There will be a little bit of dancing on the Patriots' graves, but that, either way, it's going to be funny to see uh, the celebrities and the athletes teeing it up in what is certainly not their element. And the third element that makes the tournament great, the courses. Uh, guys are going to rotate. The first three rounds will rotate between Pebble Beach, Spyglass Hill, and the short course at Monterey Peninsula Country Club. <laughs> Sorry, Monterey Peninsula Country Club. It's a bit of a mouthful. And then everyone that makes it to the final day, they'll wrap up by playing their fourth round at Pebble. That is some bucket list shit, just playing those three courses alone, never mind with celebrities and athletes and all this stuff on the PGA Tour. That's, yeah, that's next level. Uh, I'm going to have a preview blog coming out on Wednesday with my picks and some more in-depth details about the actual event. Uh, I'm not going to go on too much about that because so much can happen between now and Thursday. So you can find that on Wednesday or any of the highlights from today on teeingoffblog.com. You can go through Twitter uh, at RJTeeingOff. Uh, this podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes. You can go to my YouTube page, RJ McCullough, et cetera, et cetera. Please subscribe, rate, comment, et cetera. Any and all feedback is really, really appreciated. Honestly, I really want to hear back from anyone that listens. Uh, I've got some bigger plans for this podcast and a couple of other things I'm working on. Um, I'm going to be ramping up definitely over the next few months. So uh, if there's anything at all you'd like to see or hear, just give me a shout. Uh, Yeah, I'm RJ. Thanks for taking the time to listen and enjoy Pebble.